Hello, Cust North Canterbury. My name is Dana Lee, and I would love to welcome you all here and thank you all for coming. We are going to give a big round of applause for uh, Calvin Alp and Hannah Spearer. <laughs> Thanks for waiting, guys. Apologies for that delay. She was in the toilet. <laughs> wow, what an amazing crowd. You guys look absolutely phenomenal. Give yourselves a massive round of applause for coming out on this cold, freezing night. And in the news, of course, your Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, just got herself a doctorate from Harvard University, a once, <laughs> I know, I know, a once prestigious institution. Now it's just hit rock bottom. Well, do you want to get into that now, or do you want to touch on some other things first? <laughs> okay, something else then. Something else? Oh, no, because I'm, I'm fully ready to get into Go. that speech. Okay, um, so uh, some of you may know that I was a former lefty, now reformed, thank you. Um, and I used to, I was involved with left-wing politics, the Greens at university. I even helped campaign for Labour during one election, shamedly. <laughs> Baby steps, baby steps. But um, I guess I'm living proof that uh, you can go from the dark side to the light side. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hands up, how many of you actually watched or, or managed to sit through Jacinda's really traumatising speech today? Did you? No. Okay. Okay. Let okay. it be known, not a well, single bloody hand. Yeah, there's a, maybe one or two of you. Well, um, I, I was tortured for you on your behalf. <laughs> um, and what can I say about that speech? It was just basically a whole lot of woke rhetoric. And I suppose I want to counter a few of the points that she made um, coming from that side of things, the left side of things. And um, I just like to say the wrong side of things are now on the right side of things because it's not about left or right anymore. Um, so she did the whole, I'm so great because I'm the second woman in office to give birth. And the reason why I just find that so abhorrent is, of course, uh, when her pregnancy was announced, I was doing early childhood studies and I was shocked that the majority, actually pretty much all the class, except for myself, thought it was so amazing that we were going to have a Prime Minister who was going to give birth in office. And the reason why I find it so abhorrent is because where is that child's mother going to be? Who is looking after that child, that baby, that young six-week-old baby, when she thought, and everyone lauded her like she was the most amazing thing. And I think this is a massive problem in society, that women aren't allowed to stay home and be mums anymore and it'd actually be celebrated. 
So to use that as some point of leverage and to be hailed by, you know, people all around the world, I just, I find it so distasteful and I think we should start raising girls and women to be proud of being mothers again and proud of being wives. And it's time that we start having a conversation about toxic femininity because for too long we've been talking about toxic masculinity and unfortunately any man that actually talks about the negative sides of females gets labelled a misogynist or a bigot or a sexist or whatever. So I'm, my challenge out there to all the women here today is to let's start having the conversation about what toxic femininity looks like and let's use our Prime Minister as the prime example. <laughs> The other thing she talked about that I had to come to terms with, um, having been a former left-wing mentality, um, is this whole guns thing. So Jacinda is now being taken all around the world uh, and lifted up, you know, going on these talk shows and, and being almost like a propaganda mouthpiece in America to take away their guns. Now, I didn't understand the Second Amendment um, when I was a student, and I, like many of us, thought... Americans were bad because they wanted free speech and means they can say anything they want and they were bad because they wanted to be able to defend themselves and guns are dangerous and guns are bad. Well, um, now she's over there talking about, you know, Christchurch and that's always being used as this example of why we should take people's guns away. And, we know, and I came to learn that um, the right to bear arms was not so that you could defend yourself from an invading force, but it was to defend yourself from a rogue government. Absolutely. And I'd like to compare that to the comments uh, Jacinda made in her speech about technology and about disinformation and how she's now saying that it's actually okay for big tech, government, and now also civil society to work really hard together to get rid of disinformation. Now, that is a technocratic... They'll have to close every damn government department we have. Yeah. So that is her basically out in the open talking about, you know, the technocratic, bureaucratic nightmare that they want to bring in to take away our rights, and it's censorship. It's not about misinformation, it's about stopping the truth from coming out. So she's saying that um, social media, she's not going to get into the debate of whether it's good or bad because it's just a tool. Well, I'd like to say, and so she's saying that for big tech, and I'd like to say that guns aren't good or bad, they're a tool, and it's how they're used. And the left is simply trying to scare everybody to get rid of guns so that people can't defend themselves or when the government stops you guys from telling the truth. Um, yeah, so I could go on, but her speech was just full of fake virtue signalling, fake kindness, and we all know that's bullshit because you guys are the new minority and the left doesn't even care about you if you've been unjabbed. They don't care about whether you want to have autonomy over your body. And the whole ironic thing is another point she made is that she's celebrated that abortion is now legalised. And that got a huge clap, and I'm just sickened that that's actually so celebrated in a country, you know, where, okay, my body, my choice, that's their argument constantly about abortion, but any of you who want to say my body, my choice when it comes to an experimental vaccine, yeah. no, you're not allowed to it's use that argument. So... They're hypocrites, quite frankly, and, um, pardon? Stop saying vaccine. Yeah, we know it's not a vaccine, you know what I mean. Um, so they're hypocrites, they like to, um, it's basically do as I say and not as I do, and um, it's, yeah, it's, 
it's very scary what's coming down the track. But the great thing is, is that we're filling halls like this all the way down the country, and you guys are waking up in droves, and it's fantastic, and I don't feel alone anymore. You were never alone. It's just that now we're reconnecting, and that's something they hate. That's why they're coming after us like you couldn't imagine. They've got all, they say, all assets deployed, and they're after us. Actually, they're not really after us, they're after you. Um, we're just providing a platform for you to have your voice out there, and that's why we love the speakers at the different areas we go to, so they can get up and actually give their truth of what's really happening. Um, and just harking back to our gun control, hasn't it worked for Auckland all that well with nine shootings over a weekend? <laughs> so I think they miscalculated that one. In fact, if everyone had a machine gun in their house, how much crime do you think would be around if someone thought they were going to get killed walking in the door? None. So um, this tour is all about Let's Not Forget. Let's Not Forget Wellington. How many of you went to Wellington? Okay. How many of you went to Picton? There you go. That's a bit better. Awesome. Well, yeah, that, and this is a huge part of carrying on that feeling um, that many of you would have experienced because it was just such a great expression of the human soul and the human spirit, being able to work together in such a short period of time and, and just look after each other. And of course, um, it was just so tragic how it all ended. None of the politicians, well, none of the sitting politicians coming to see you. And um, of course, the way the police shut it all down was just absolutely devastating. And um, for me personally, I, I was... Yeah, pretty low after that. I thought, where to from here? How can we actually carry on now that this whole government system's been exposed and the level that the police are willing to go to? Um, but yeah, so here we are, travelling um, around the country, telling your stories, not forgetting um, Wellington, not forgetting all our forebears that fought, um, you know, for freedom and made the ultimate sacrifice. Um, not forgetting that you guys are the solution and that in your community, and you guys are a massive community. Like people said, I can't believe you made it to Cust, and Cust is such a apparently small, out-of-the-way place, but look at you all, so amazing, so powerful, and um, it's just so great to see. So we're really looking forward to hearing all the stories from your community, and um, we really want to thank Heidi for all the coordinating she's done, and um, to the venue for having us, and to the whole team that's behind uh, this whole thing that's making it possible. And let's not forget that Parliament, lovingly called Parasite Palace, in need of fumigation, is an actual crime scene that needs to be cordoned off, police, listen, needs to be cordoned off, records preserved and used in upcoming trials for democide, crimes against humanity, reckless disregard for human life, illegal experimentation on a population and terrorism. Because if you have a look at the Terrorism Suppression Act and all of the components required to fulfill that, the government has met every single one of them. Everyone. Or is that only us? Are we the only terrorists because we dare say no? Don't jab me. Don't tell me to shut up. And don't try and stop the facts and evidence coming out. Because they've never once attacked us on facts and evidence. They haven't come after me for what I say because I know damn well I'm right. And I'll keep saying it till I'm blue in the face. Or pink or red, it doesn't matter. Rainbow even. So that's... um. So that's one thing. And don't forget, Christchurch, you guys also did your uh, stand down here as well. So we haven't forgotten about you. We haven't forgotten about one of the longest standing ones, which was Dunedin, which they used a, an old law 
for people who used to go to the mining, they used to stop over at this particular place and they could stay there for months. And that's what they did. So it was a congratulations to them as well. So before we get off the stage um, and hand over to Heidi, we just want to actually do a quick poll. Yeah. Um, we just want to know how many of you have uh, personally, you don't actually have to put up your hand. And, well, but, we want you to. But we'll ask anyway. Uh, is there anybody in the crowd that has a injury from this experimental gene therapy? Okay. Thank you for being brave. Um, and how many of you know somebody who has been adversely affected by this gene therapy? Wow. I'll keep them up there for a minute because we'll yeah. have the cameras on here. And Jacinda, like we say at every uh, event, this is your poll. This is real people. This isn't Colmar Brunton bullshit. This is actual people and actual effects. This is what you have caused. And just for a comparison, how many of you don't know anybody that's been affected adversely by the jab? Okay, yep. So there's maybe like half a dozen of you that haven't. Uh, maybe a dozen of that, but everybody else has. That's huge. Wow. And I think there's probably 200 people plus in this room right now. So this is what we're experiencing uh, everywhere we go. And it's, it's just heartbreaking. And the fact that the mainstream media and the politicians and the medical establishment are trying to basically gaslight us um, and gaslight you all to make you think that it's not going on. It's just horrendous. Now, the other question that we ask is, um, how many of you know somebody that has died of COVID. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit hard to be killed by. Getting okay, so we've got by one. And I did actually, I did actually forget the question. How many of you know somebody who has died of the jab? Wow. Geez, that's a few. Yeah. So one of you know somebody who's died of COVID, and probably at least two dozen of you know somebody who's died of the jab. So. Died of influenza. <clears throat> That's what we're doing is trying to record and get an accurate kind of reading of what the carnage is like out there. So if you haven't already, when um, it's finished, you're welcome to tell us your story and the bunting out there in the foyer. And if you'd like to tell your story on camera, then um, either we can do it tonight or if you leave us your details, we can catch up with you and do that again because we would like to document this for future generations. I just want to read to you another purveyor of real mis- and disinformation. This is from the... Um, Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. That's their VAX facts. One, so far over 10 million people around the world have died from COVID-19. From, they're saying from. Okay, so you've never isolated the virus from any patient anywhere around the world, that is a fact. So what the hell are you trying to vaccinate against? And these people who say, I know somebody died of it, was there an autopsy done? Did they isolate the virus? I guarantee you there wasn't because they're not even allowing autopsies in a lot of places now. We've got funeral directors who will be with us who will tell you direct that that's exactly what's happening. And there's doctors signing off death certificates over the phone. They're not even bothering to go to the bodies anymore. And they're experiencing, uh, these funeral directors, a 15% increase in excess mortality. Especially among young ones. Mm. Number two. As well as being deadly and highly contagious, the virus can have serious long-term side effects called long COVID. <laughs> Translated, the effects of the jab. Which they're obviously saying now that long COVID is the cause of myocarditis and pericarditis, don't you know? Yep, the narrative's falling apart. You guys have already smashed them on that. Number three, 
Without the vaccine, almost everyone will get the virus. <laughs> I'm still bloody waiting. Number four, those infected without being vaccinated are at least 20 times more likely to get dangerously ill. Listen to that language, dangerously. Okay, that's another question. Hang on, no, but, no, but to One go more little that, bit. How many of you actually got what they're calling COVID? I want to see that. And you're all still here. <laughs> yeah, see, because we actually believe that by the end of the night, we should be seeing a few of you dropping just like Wuhan, boom, on the ground. We've got trash bags already. <laughs> now, this was the rest of the part of that before Cutoff Queen got me. Um, this is even higher for Māori and Pacific peoples. So It's a racist virus. Racist as. <laughs> Number five, the vaccine is cleared from the body within a few days, leaving the body's defensive, defensive strengthened to fight COVID-19. This is the, I'll just repeat, the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. Number six, if vaccinated, you are less likely to spread the virus to your whānau, friends and workmates. <laughs> Okay. And number seven, the vaccine is MedSafe approved and safer than either the contraceptive pill or common pain relief such as paracetamol. Now who in the hell would believe one single iota of that bullshit? That is missing disinformation and these people get millions and millions of dollars to spread that crap. So I'm calling the Royal New Zealand general practitioners, people, a bunch of lying frauds. If you believe it's defamation, come at me. Because we have the facts and evidence, you have nothing but spin, conjecture and propaganda, you idiots. And one more thing that I want to say is, um, I hope more of you are getting brave out there and um, saying no to masks. Um, I've had the police called it on me a few times. <laughs> um, but not... not not uh, well. The most recent time was in Kaikoura because I went into an op shop and uh, she asked if I wanted to wear a mask and I said no. And you know, you go through the whole rigmarole with them and I said they don't even work. And you know, she's like, I don't care. Um, so and then you know, she said she's going to call the cops. So I know Kiwis are very uh, apathetic. We don't like uh, confrontation. But if you haven't yet um, managed to feel confident not wearing a mask. Well, I, sh I suppose I shouldn't encourage it, but I'm just saying if you feel like you don't want to or you want to be free and you want to breathe oxygen, it's actually quite a good experience. So, <laughs> It's true. All right, you finish up. And if you're still worried, we've got a glass of cement over there just to add water and harden up. <laughs> so all you've got to do is um, like be brave. Never mind this be kind bullshit, because even now that doesn't work. She hasn't been kind for the since the day she took office and before. So um, you just got to say no. Got to mean it. And walk in most shops like you own the place. Most of them don't bother. If you go and looking all sheepish, then you get noticed. It's just like if I was going to allegedly rob a, say, a house, maybe your house. Then I, and I was walking down the road going, everyone notices that it's out of place. But if I just walked on up the driveway like I owned the place, kicked your joint, took out the TV, they just think I was taking it to a rugby game or something, you know? So yeah, be Not brave. encouraging anything, you stuff, news and TV and Z and all that. Be brave and do the right thing. Don't worry about whether you're being kind or not. What's yep. more important is doing the right thing. And enough of our yapping. I want to hear what the guest speakers have to say because they're controversial unto themselves, so. 
Yep. Let's see if we can write Thanks this all for up. coming. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Heidi. All right, kia ora. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellow lovers of truth and liberty, I'm Heidi Jensen Warren, and it is my utmost pleasure to be your MC tonight. As you can see, I'm not as clever as Calvin and Hannah, so um, I have my little folder here. Um, on behalf of the North Canterbury Community Support Group, um, we welcome you to our evening with Counterspin Media. Um, just a little bit of housekeeping to start with. So um, on, it'll be on your right. Um, the emergency exits are at the back um, and to the sides for the fire exits. Um, we have helpers here tonight from our community group. They will be wearing um, little stickers with their name on. So if you need anything or you want to know where the bathrooms are, just ask them. We've got a lovely selection of um, uh, refreshments in the, the other room and teas and coffees and things. Um, at the back of the room in your break, you can go and buy a raffle ticket. So we have a raffle um, and it's not a basket of goodies. It's in fact Lee Williams is your prize. Uh, so um, you can win <laughs> a coffee and cake date with Lee. Um, but the thing is, it's only romantic if you want it to be. <laughs> so... so <laughs> So um, make sure if you want to buy a raffle ticket to um, go down the back. We also have a few posters down the back where in your break you can write little notes. So we've got, where's Clark? And if you think you know where Clark is, please write down your answer. Um, we've also got a, a few other things to have a look at there. Um, there's merch in the foyer for sale and down the back um, and a, a donations thing going around somewhere. Um, and, and just a side note, um, do, you know, have a go and write a note because communists love nothing, um, they hate nothing more than people with a sense of humour. So please be as humorous as possible. Um, it was over a year ago today that I watched the first episode of Counterspin on Anzac Day and I knew then that I had to be part of New Zealand's media revolution. I was so excited to see that finally somebody got it. Um, um, you know, and they were providing a solution to a very ominous problem facing New Zealand. So I picked up the phone and I called Calvin. And here we are a year later, seeing the fruition of the collective minds of freedom lovers, movers and shakers. Counterspin is by the people, for the people. It is the coming together of Kiwis from all walks of life, background, skills and experience to create and uphold a robust fourth estate. You see, Kelvin and his partner Hannah dreamt a dream, and it was a beautiful dream. And right here, right now, you are part of that dream. Counterspin embodies the good old DIY Kiwi spirit, the number eight wire mentality. When you turn a dream into reality, it creates a universe of possibilities. We as a nation do not need to face a dire future if we dream up a better reality, a better way forward, a country that can stand alone and create a society and way of life that we want, we need, and we do indeed deserve. We as a community of mums and dads, brothers and sisters, grannies and grandpas, we need to be part of the dream team that keeps the spirit of our Anzacs and forebears alive, the freedom spirit. The spirit that was revived the day Counterspin went to air over a year ago. 
Tonight we have an amazing lineup of speakers from our community representing a diversity of topics. Um, but they all have a common thread. And what that thread is, is up to you to, to decide. Because unlike the Ministry of Truth, News Hub and TVNZ and co, we actually want you to think for yourselves. <laughs> um, so the music at the start of the night was by Seb Warren, and you can find him online, www.sebwarren.com. And I just want to make a note here that, um, you know, everyone's doing a great uh, job of supporting activists, but please also do remember um, the New Zealand arts community, the creative community. There's very few people in it that are actually standing up and speaking out and... Um, staying true to themselves in this time, but please do remember to support our creative artists who, who are also supporting the freedom movement. Um, so our first, uh, our first speaker for this evening is Mr. Don Tappan, and Don is from the Rangiora um, Welcome Market, and I invite Don now to the stage. Hi everyone, it's good that it's dark out there, then I can't see you. The, um, close? Oh, right, sorry. No, I'll be right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, the Rangira Welcome Market. Can we have a hands up? Anyone been to it? Oh, mate, we miss your money. But anyway, <laughs> now the market started, it was started from a meeting that was held in North Canterbury with um, Heidi actually, and she actually said a market would be a good idea. And we picked up on it and we opened one. In um, 10 weeks we ran it, and it's been pretty successful, but it's closed down now because um, the showgrounds, they, oh, sorry, they um, terminated our lease for some reason. Yeah, I'm not a good speaker. But anyway, so we've got in place another, um, another location which we'll announce in about a week or so. Sorry. So, the, the first market we did, we had a lease in place, but um, I don't know why they kicked us out. I think it's because at the last market we had a um, stand there from Counterspin. So, yeah. <laughs> now, we also had one from VFF right through. But the, um, the market was a quite a success, and that's only due to you guys. But the, um, the next one will be about the same size. Yeah. And... Um, Hope you can all attend it. Has anyone got any questions about the market? No. So um, that's all we can say really. We started it because we felt that there was a lack of community and a lack of bonding of people, parents and children. And when we started the first market, we put out um, picnic blankets and swing ball and we looked around and here were all these people with no masks on, having, just having a good time, you know, and it was really heartwarming. But I bet you that a lot of those people would leave the market, put a mask on, then go to their supermarket, which was crazy, eh? So I think the more people that can do these type of events, um, the more people will be conditioned to be free again. So anyway, sorry, I'm not good at this, but um, thanks for coming to the market, and we'll have another one very shortly.
Great, thanks. Thanks, Don. Um, we next have Victoria Payne, and Victoria is from the North Canterbury Community Support Group. I've got my speech, it's about three hours long, but I'll try and cut it down a little bit. So we'll see how we can go. Right. Um, hi, everyone. Um, you know, it's really great standing shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, um, with our like-minded community, you know. Um, there's a lot of you out there. And actually, there's a lot of wee faces that I know. Hi. <laughs> um, for those who don't know me, I'm Vicky, mother, grandmother. Um, I love connection. I actually like to talk a lot as well. And um, Dean actually calls me his have a chat. I don't know why. Um, but I really want to take a moment to thank um, our team. I'm one of a um, team member. Um, so we've got Don, Barb. Di, Joella, Heidi, um, and Lauren's not here, I don't think, but Lauren started this North Canterbury Community Group, North Canterbury Community Support Group um, around a table. So I just wanted to thank all those guys. They've brought in a lot of different people and um, ideas and support groups and things. Um, we've built a really strong foundation with our community connections. Um, we loved offering tools for them to thrive, survive, and give people confidence of self. Um, I didn't want to lead people in this journey. I wanted to teach people to stand on their own, um, give people confidence and the tools to do that. So, yeah, that's what we were about or are about. Um, we nurtured hope, and thanks for that, Paul. We had a chat about hope yesterday or the day before. Um, we nurtured hope to rebuild, reconnect, and to grow and strength. Um, it's horrible being up here, I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> um, we formed, eh? I know. Um, we formed platforms so um, others in the community could meet and connect. Um, and on the way here, I was thinking the word hope, and instantly it came to mind happy openly pursuing everything and that's what I encourage people to do is look at everything don't just sit back and not venture into something tap your toes in and have a wee look um, in order to build and maintain strong relationships it's crucial to be honest um, open and integral and I'm seeing it more and more in the community where people are just opening up and it's, it's gorgeous. Um, building communities, sorry, building connections um, in community offers opportunity for, um, I can't even read my own writing, for um, cultivating self-awareness and building trust. I was never any good at typing. In fact, I think I spent most of the time out of the room. So um, it's handwritten. <laughs> so in North Canterbury Community Support Group, 
what did we do for our call to action? Um, it was creating all the groups. It was, it was as simple as just um, creating coffee group or um, family groups, gardening groups, skills and learning groups. Um, we, are, um, we had me meetings with um, speakers. Um, we supported people who did self-awareness groups. Um, yeah, it was just it was just using everyone's energy and ideas and just pulling it all together. Um, we gave, but we received. We listened and we learned from each other. And we have watched as a group. We have watched as people have grown stronger in friendships, and even um, we've seen their growth of. Um, Self. Um, I've lost my place. <laughs> right. Da, 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 da. Um, we traded love, friendship, food. Now, there's people in this room that are always giving food out of their garden. We just so appreciate that and teaching me about how to garden. So we traded love, friendships, food, and support. And um, it's just ongoing all the time. It doesn't stop. And um, our spirit of self-freedom is potent and strong. Um, North Canterbury, we are strong, and I love that, and I see it every day. Um, our unique attitude and opportunities in North Cam Canterbury didn't just happen. Um, we all created the change, and I want to thank you all for that. After all, in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. And we, our team at North Canterbury Community Support Group, always knew if plan A didn't work, we had 25 other numbers, um, letters in the alphabet, so we were going to find something that would work. Um, and I just want to read something. I went through my phone today looking for something to just finish off because I love the way Joe, Joe is Joe. Joe always finishes with a wee story and, and I thought I'm going to find one too just to be like Joe. <laughs> but a lot of the um, poems and things were written by the people I detest. And I thought that doesn't even match up to what they're doing. Like, I'm like, scroll on, scroll on. Anyway, I found this, and I don't know who wrote it, but anyway. Life has taught me. I am not always in control. Life is full of experiences, lessons, heartbreak, and pain. Oh, my phone's gone out. Hang on. <laughs> that flowed nicely, didn't it? I would, don't worry, I won't start from the beginning. Right. Um... Life is full of experiences, lessons, heartbreak, and pain. But it has also shown me love, beauty, possibility, and new beginnings. Embrace it all. It makes us who we are, and ev after every storm comes a clear sky. So thanks, guys. <laughs> If you ever need a good laugh, just, 
Yeah, hang out with Vicky. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, all right, we now invite um, Rachel Clark to the stage. She's going to be telling her very personal story with her, her struggle with the mandates. And everybody, I'll probably cry. <laughs> Bit emotional. Um, 27 years ago, I actually used to come here quite regularly, about three times a week, as place centre supervisor at the other end of the building there. So um, this is quite a um, familiar place to me. Um, I was connecting with children and their parents in this community. So my great-great-grandfather came to Rangiora in 1858, and he settled there and started a shop in the main street, which is now the ANZ. Um, Waimakariri is home to me, and I've lived in rural communities around Rangiora um, most of my life. I'm the eldest of eight children. I have three adult children. Well, a husband as well, sorry. Alex, <laughs> do love you. Um, three adult children, a grandson, and I'm eagerly awaiting the birth of my granddaughter in August. People and family have always been a very important part of my life. Back in 2009, I started a new journey. At the age of 42, I decided I was going to go back to full-time study for three years. And this was driven by my love for people and wanting to be able to support them on their various journeys. After my second year of study, we were disrupted by the Christchurch earthquakes, and I contemplated leaving my study at the diploma level. With a five-week delay in relocation from the Science Alive building, I ended up completing my study out at Templeton, opposite the prison, at Nova Trust. Um, <clears throat> once I completed my BA of AOD studies, alcohol and other drugs, as a clinician and counsellor, I was offered a job in that residential treatment facility at Nova Trust. And I worked there for six and a half years. In 2018, I started a new role as group facilitator in an intensive outpatient program that I did for the last three and a half years. As part of my training, we were always told to be aware of clients' rights and abide by them. I also had a duty of care, which was do no harm under DAPANS, my governing body. So this was always very um, pertinent to my work and, yeah. So the rights that I was to be aware of and adhere to with my clients were, and you might laugh at this, but it's interesting, isn't it? The right to freedom of coercion, harassment and exploitation, which we probably mostly all experienced. The right to dignity and independence. The right to services of an appropriate standard. And if you're told you can't go into a building or a doctor's or somewhere without a mask, or you're told to sit out in the car, in the car park, are they providing the appropriate standard for you? So if not, maybe you could write to the Human Rights Commission. I've actually written a few letters to them about various things that have concerned me and affected me according to this and other human rights. 
the right to effective communication and obviously with the mandates and the whole um, experimental gene therapy thing that was going on, we weren't always given the right communication. The right to be fully informed. We didn't get all the information. It's still experimental. The right to informed choice and informed consent. Mandates don't give that. The right to withdraw consent. So if you've had one jab, two jabs, three, can you withdraw from that program and pull out? Withdraw your consent because you've changed your mind? The right to have support. So my father, he died in the um, first lockdown at Easter time. And I couldn't even go into the rest home to say goodbye to him. And there's many other families that had the same kind of thing happen to them. We couldn't even have a proper funeral, which was pretty sad because he was almost 91 years old. And I never ever dreamed that I couldn't even, you know, have a proper funeral for my dad. The right to complain. <laughs> So here you go, open door for all of us. We can complain. Um, we can have the right in respect to research or teaching. So if this is an experimental gene therapy and they have or haven't researched it or whatever, um, we should have rights around knowing what's going on. So these were the foundation of my work, yet these have been breached on many levels with many people due to the mandates. No jab, no job. People have been discriminated against for making their own choices about body autonomy. People have been treated like lepers sitting in car parks waiting to see a GP, just to name a few. So once again, I suggest if you're affected by any of these things and you don't feel good about it, or if you're refused, you're, sorry, refused entry to a chemist or a pharmacy or something like that, complain to the Human Rights Commission. So when the organisation that I was working for tried to get me to encourage clients to get vaccinated with experimental gene therapy, because the Ministry of Health said the uptake from people in mental health services and addictions was very low, this did not sit well with me. It went against everything that I knew and that was in my heart. I couldn't encourage anyone to participate in this experiment as none of my questions were getting answered by management. The standard reply was to refer to the Ministry of Health guidelines, the one source of truth. When has there ever been one source of truth? There's always two sides to a story, I always thought. I sent my manager's links to the adverse reaction site. There was about 48,000 adverse reactions back then. Today I checked it, and at the 30th of April, there's 62,000, and then there's probably some that haven't even been reported. Still, they wouldn't engage in any meaningful conversations or discussions, so I assumed they were either brainwashed or scared of losing contracts, or possibly both. I had been researching at that time what was happening in Canada prior to the jabs being available in New Zealand. And what I saw was horrific. I tried to share what I was learning and what I knew, as I felt a duty of care not only to my clients, but to my family and friends and people in my community as well. As the months went by, work became more challenging. 
teachers and health workers were mandated in October, but then it was pushed out to the 15th of November. During this time, clients would often ask if they were going to be mandated to attend our services. Management wouldn't even answer my questions. They would say, we will abide by the Ministry of Health guidelines. This broke my heart. I did ask them again, are clients going to be discriminated against if they were not going to take the jab? Some of life's most vulnerable people feeling the pressure. Some awake to what was going on. Ironically, sorry, the AOD service that I worked for wanted me to take an experimental substance into my body with no long-term data, no informed consent, lots of coercion and manipulation to pressure staff to conform. Working with a team of others was also challenging. There was a breach of privacy as well, as most of the conversations included clients and staff's medical VAX status. Clients asked me of my status in front of other staff and clients. This caused much inner turmoil, trying to discreetly say what I could. One student um, on student placement at my work told me this, that her mother-in-law was the PA to Ashley Bloomfield and things were going to get way worse yet. They were going to mandate beneficiaries to, and they were not going to be able to get a benefit if they were not vaccinated, she told me. So I had been carrying that for quite some time and that broke my heart. Basically saying there will be no choice, especially if you're vulnerable or relying on the government for payment. So I knew I had to make a stand for these people who are possibly, less possibly more vulnerable than myself. For several months there were lots and lots of conversations and mentally it was so challenging just turning up to work and trying to work in a team when they were always at me at any spare moment. When are you getting vaccinated? Um, what are you going to do if you lose your job? Be sad to lose you. You'd hate to see you go. But ironically, I haven't really heard much of them, from them. I do have a faith in God, and he's always been faithful to me, and that was the thing that I held on to. He is my rock. So on the 15th of November, I went into the office, packed up my stuff, while my rest of my team was running a group out the back, as I didn't want to have any more challenges or confrontations with them, and it was too heartbreaking to say goodbye. But I did go and say to, um, goodbye to two other people in another team who broke down as they actually had chosen to go and get the vaccine that day to keep their jobs. One of them had just bought a house that week and didn't know how they were going to pay a mortgage if they didn't have a job. So that was pretty soul-destroying for me. As I walked out, I saw the Bill of Rights hanging on the wall and I'm quite a strong personality. So I picked up the Bill of Rights and I put it on the floor and I walked out the door and hopefully they figured out that I wasn't impressed. <laughs> so it has been a challenging journey. There's been grief. I thought I was going to be doing that job until I retired. I love my job. I really love the people I was working with, but I don't think things would ever be the same. And now, as Vicky has mentioned before, I'm involved in um, quite a lot of the groups in, in the community, 
um, coffee groups, other support groups. What else? The welcome market is fantastic. I love it. I've never worn a mask the whole time. And if anyone wants mm, some help to go and walk around without a mask, come and see me. <laughs> More than happy to set you free. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I just love being a part of this community. Um, and it's so empowering to find more like-minded people and really refreshing. And I feel so blessed to know you all have you in my life. Thank you so much. I'm going to call to the stage now Minette Tanoli. Uh, so Minette is a, a herb a expert in herbs and um, she's going to talk to you about food as medicine. Hi, wow, what an amazing crowd. I, I love it. I love being part of this free-thinking community where people feel okay to challenge the status quo, to ask the difficult questions, to tell the sad stories, so that we can have a brighter and happier future for our children. It's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you guys for having us. <laughs> So, um, as I've been introduced, my name is Minette Tanoli, and I am your resident crazy herb lady. There's quite a few of us around, and um, I've been speaking to a friend of mine who's also a herby person, and it turns out we're not that crazy after all. Suddenly, our knowledge and our skill set... Is that better? Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, so crazy herb lady, but not so crazy after all, because the knowledge that I've gained pottering about in my garden and hocus pocusing in my kitchen seems to be in great demand these days. So that's why I'm here. I want to talk and inspire as many people as I can to grow and use your own food and medicine plants. It's, it's absolutely a fantastically wonderful thing to do. And a call to action. So not really a story from my side today, but a call to action. Don't abdicate your responsibility for your own health. Take, take control and start small. Start with what you bring into your life, into your body. So I love herbs. I love the fact that they grow beautifully in the garden and then you can bring them into your home and you can make something more from them. Whether it's just a nice tasting something to put into your food or a healing herbal tea or a balm or a salve, they just wonderful. You can make them part of every single part of your life. So, food is medicine, but food is not just medicine. I think it's very important that we realize that food is so much more. Food is connection. When we sit around a table and we talk about the day's goings on with our friends and our families, that is important. Something that we miss in today's crazy life, I think. Um, food is creativity. Food is comfort. So don't just look at food as medicine. Because if it was, we'd all pop nutrient pills and be happy on our way. But it's not. It's the enjoyment of the whole process. Taking something absolutely nutritious into your body and making it part of yourself. Food is not just medicine, but not food is also a medicine, or not just a medicine. And what I mean by that is 
We've come far with medical advancement, and I know not everyone is so happy with the medical system at the moment, with everything that they're trying to put on us or not put on us, or, or the mandates and whatever, but there has been strides made in, in, the, in the medicine world, meaning that we can stand here today older than 35 years, which is what Homo sapiens used to get get to, but now we live to 60, 70, 80 if we're lucky. Um, so we can't just eschew modern medicine. There are places for it. I think modern drugs are just over-prescribed sometimes and given for any reason and just a quick money-making thing. So very important to take nutrition rather than medicine where you can. Then not food is not medicine. And this is a whole different ball game, and that is about the food-like products, or food, that is on our supermarket shelves these days. And I want to ask you to delve a little bit into that and become readers of the ingredients list and understanding what all those E numbers mean, because not only are they empty of nutrition, but they actually are sometimes quite harmful to us. I don't want to get too much into that, but it's just something to think about. So food is medicine. It's not a new thing. Um, everyone should know that has been dealing with healthcare in some way or another that the um, saying, let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food, is ascribed to old Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine. Now, there's a, a jury is out on whether he actually said those words or not, but it was definitely his philosophy in life. His uh, Hippocratic Oath, which our doctors swear to, actually, I still think they do, um, is if, if you translate it from Greek directly, it actually says, I will use dietetic and human form to prevent disease in people. And these days, it's just, I will use treatments. And those treatments we know could be interesting gene therapies, which we don't want. Um, but yeah, so from old 400 BC all the way through to modern medicine and um, knowing that the importance of what we eat. Again, oh, keep on dancing around. I think it's difficult with the lights and the... Uh, anyway, um, is that better? All right. Uh, Hippocrates. So the ancient Greeks also believed uh, that herbs, and, and this is nice for me because I can get back to my lovely little herbs, uh, were, were magical. They believed that they kept evil spirits away. But nowadays we know that the evil spirits are actually simply bacteria and fungi and spores and whatever that made the food rot and spoil, or overindulgence, which made you feel a little bit queasy after you had too much at these Greek banquets. Um, and herbs were seen as magical, but they're not magical, magical in hocus-pocus sense. They're just full of life-giving nutrients and fantastic phytochemicals. So the, the herbs that the Greeks and the Romans used mostly were just our common culinary herbs that we know today. Rosemary, sage, thyme, oregano. They're full of antioxidants. They're full of vitamins. They're full of minerals. They're full of nutrients. They're antibacterial. They're strongly antifungal. So yes, they did keep all the bacterias and the bad stuff away, um, but it's simply because they are full of good things. <laughs> and I know... I can, I can talk forever and ever on herbs and specifically 
each herb, but we've only got 10 minutes, so I'm just giving a bit of an uh, overview of, of it all. If you want to learn more, I'm always happy to chat about my herbs. Those of you that know me know that I can carry on and on and on. And I'm actually doing something for North Canterbury Community Group on the 7th of June, where I'm going to spend an hour and a half specifically talking about herbs and how we can use them for healing and how we can use them in our daily lives. Um, so speak to Vicky if you're interested in that. Um, otherwise, lots of other community things happening as well. I'm doing a winter wellness thing tomorrow where I'm doing uh, things that you can make in your home quick and easy for winter chills. So colds and flu and headaches and whatnot. So, But anyway, back, back to our history lesson. In my belief is that, as Thomas and Edison said in 1903, or actually he predicted, and it, wasn't, it didn't come true, but I wish it did, he said, the doctor of the future won't use medicine or pharmaceuticals as such to treat disease, but they will use diet and lifestyle choices. So very much what Hippocrates said, um, to treat or to prevent disease. So it's all about what you take in to prevent getting sick. And I think that's where herbs actually play quite a big part because they're so full of fantastic phytochemicals and nutrients and things that are of benefit that if you can make it part of your daily routine, even if you just throw an extra sage into your soup or a little bit of parsley onto the side plate, and by the way, if you go eat out at a restaurant and that parsley is on your plate, it's probably the most nutritious thing on that plate. <laughs> so eat, eat the garnish. Um, but yes, if you can make herbs part of your life, it goes a lot towards making your body the strongest it can be to fight whatever life throws at it. Um, but it's also not only what you ingest and, and food that you bring into your body, but what you consume with your mind, with your ears, what music do you listen to, what company do you keep, um, and, and what you surround yourself with. And mental health is so important. I mean, there's a whole link between the gut and the mental health and food and microbiome, and that's all very scientific. But we all know mind over matter, and that's definitely a truth as well. A placebo effect is still a positive effect. Um, so your mind is very strong in helping you to get over the ailments that life can throw at you. And breathing, or actually food, is medicine is just part of a six-step program. The first one is breathing. A lot of us take too shallow breaths and we're always too rushed. So not only when you're angry, but just in general, take a deep breath, let it out. And meditation, mindfulness, take a moment, step outside of the rush. Water, all of us are dehydrated. We're just glorified plants. We need sunlight and water. So remember the water thing. Uh, we all need to exercise. And I'm not talking about going to the gym and pushing weights. 20 minutes of walking every day is absolutely fine. And we need social connection. And then the food added to that, all of them together will make sure that you live a happy and healthy life. And... Um, yeah, make sure that you get over all the sicknesses that um, plague us. So if you've got any questions on herbs, I can be found online. Can I say that? Um, I'm Meadow Sweet uh, Herbs, Meadow Sweet Herbs and Flowers, and I'm always happy to chat about herbs and, and 
plants. So horticulture on the one side, how to grow the plants, how to look after them in your garden, food and medicine plants, and I'm quite naughty, I think things like carrots and apples and potatoes are herbs, so when I say herbs, I mean anything that you put into your body. So the horticulture part and then the herbalism part is how to do things with those herbs once you've grown them. And it, it is really a fascinating world. I love this little saying by uh, Jenny Uglo. She says, we may think we're nurturing our garden, but in the end, it's always our garden that nurtures us. Thank you. All righty. Um, now I call uh, Mr. Joe Holland to the stage. Uh, Joe used to be a member of the NZ teachers speaking out with science. Um, he's a friendly face in our community, quite well known, and uh, yeah. Sorry Heidi, she just said to me, try and keep this short. Um, apologies, it ain't gonna happen, okay? Um, it's only three pages. Yep, size three font. Hey, um, so just a quick shout out uh, to Count and Spin Media uh, Legends, okay? Um, we're here because of them tonight, um, here because of the community of Heidi and everyone like that. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've got a bit of a personal story um, to share tonight. Um, it's a pretty rocky road. You know, I guess my journey over the last, um, it's not quite 12 months, okay? Um, Vicky stole my thunder because she said, you know, I've got to start with something. Um, but it's a shout out to my beautiful wife, Shirley Holland, down the back there. She's the one. You've got to start with that. Thank you. So, so this is my start one. The power of the people is greater than the people in power. Yeah. And I'll save the best to last, so don't worry. So I look out here at our community, and um, a big part of why I'm here and standing up here is because there's a lot of mentors out here in this community that, um, you know, have shaped me into this fine, handsome young gentleman that's standing before you. Um, you know who you are. Okay, um, Rachel was only a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, you know, at, at my property, helping tidy it up. Okay, um, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> okay, uh, speaking engagement yesterday, tonight, uh, tomorrow. Um, so it's a shout out to my family and, and my wife and children because, um, yeah, I'm not as at home as much as I should be sometimes. Well, before I get into it, um, the reason I'm up here tonight is um, my parents, mum and dad, just down there. Yeah. <laughs> I get my service to my community from my dad, and I get, um, I guess, the love and care and support back to the people from my mum. So thank you. You've made me who I am. So my story starts when good men stand up, and I'm just one of, uh, I guess, hundreds, thousands, millions worldwide, okay? Um, 
I don't feel down too often because I know, you know, what's happening right here, right now, is happening all around the world. And, you know, quite often I'm, I'm reminding people of that. And that just gives me warm fuzzies. It's pretty cool. Righty-ho. So, mum, I think I, I gave a call to mum and dad. Um, it was probably late July, early August or something uh, last year. And it was probably the most important phone call of my life because I was... I don't know if I was awake yet. Um, I was caught in the matrix, and that phone call changed my life. Um, bang, light bulb moment. And I, um, I just, you know, took another journey. Uh, I watched a short video afterwards, and um, it was this, you know, surfer dude, surfer dude in Australia, and um, he was just sitting on his on a surfboard riding waves. And he was like, you need to escape the matrix, dude. And, and, and that was my life, life you know, another, you know, um, light bulb moment. You know, I, I did. I felt like that was my red pill and I had escaped the matrix. So it all had, um, had, had a, yeah, a profound effect on my life. I, I realised that, you know, that what had been inside my, my whole life um, of why I'm here today, why I'm, why I'm at speaking engagements and why I've got the courage and strength and everything was, um, you know, it was coming to fruition and it was just ah, an amazing feeling. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Holland and last um, 15th of November last year was my last day at Papanui High School after service to that school and community of 12 years. Okay, the prior, I don't know, term and a half um, was surreal. Um, I was treated like a leper, okay? I was outspoken, um, but I was solid as a rock, okay? My, I guess my only place of solitude, because I was treated like a leper in the sense that I'd be walking towards staff rooms or to classrooms and they would go quiet. They would turn away. You could see them behind the windows going, shh, Joe's coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I had held my head high. I organised meetings at my school because I knew staff members were not happy about what was coming. And that was that on that 15th of November, at 11.59, we were required to have, you know, that jab. Um, and I wasn't going to have any of that. Um, there were 15 other staff members at, I school, at my school that also did not want to have any of that. Um, and four of us um, managed to walk away. Yeah. Um, Barb and um, Don and Rachel um, at about 7.45 the next morning, they were outside my school um, protesting with me. So, cheers, Rachel. Cheers, Don and Barb. Um, and that was pretty cool, because I got about half the school out the front of the school. Um, you know, senior um, management leadership team, they were running around, headless chicken type stuff, trying to usher all the kids back and running out the front. Who's responsible for this? Joe. Mm. Um, and it was, as much as it was an empowering experience, it was also pretty sad because one of the counsellors there who didn't want, who wanted to be on the side of the fence with me, 
Um, we were facing a, a, the school was facing a $3,000 fine, me personally a $400 fine if I'd step um, foot in that school. Um, but it didn't matter. We held our, um, held our signs high. It was a, probably a small team of 15, 18 of us. Sorry if anybody else was there that I haven't mentioned tonight. But, um, you know, that was, that was the beginning of it. I don't know how many schools I then went around to um, around, around Christchurch. But, um, you know, it was pretty, yeah, pretty empowering, pretty cool stuff. So if you haven't jumped on, um, you know, behind a, a banner or behind a placard or something like that, uh, give it a crack. It's a bit of a buzz, okay? Um, the next day, um, the Wednesday, uh, again, was one of those days I will never, ever forget. Um, I was a senior dean of the Year 13 class. Um, the Wednesday lunchtime, I was supposed to say goodbye and, and good luck to them, you know, until I'd probably seen them in about a month's time for um, our leavers dinner that I was supposed to organise and what have you. Um, instead, I um, put on my, my good clothes and went down to the school at lunchtime when they were released for the year. And um, beautiful wife Shirley thought, hey, look, can I, can I grab you know, my camera and come down? I didn't think anything of it. I was thinking about you know, my students. And we, we, came, uh, we came down to school, and, um, and my wife shot this pretty cool video of me hugging and crying and all of this with, with these beautiful students that I looked after for five years. Yeah. Some of those kids were pretty messed up. Some of those families. Looking up now. <laughs> um, and you know that that video, bang! You know, in a couple of weeks or something, it, it you know hit twenty thousand views. Um, did anybody see that video? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yep. It, it was a pretty, pretty um, incredible video. And you know, the nice thing is I'm back in the classroom now, as of um, you know Wednesday of this term. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, and I, I just had a chat um, there with a parent who ran over, and um, you know it, it's nice to, be, to make an impact on young people's lives again. And don't worry, I'm dropping some truth bombs and things here and there. Yeah. Um, I've I've been lucky enough to be you know thrust into um, into I guess you know a. a, a a mentoring pastoral care support for um, teachers nationally. Um, so it didn't take me long to to sign up and, and set up um, with a great bunch of other um, like-minded educators um, from early childhood to primary to secondary and to tertiary. And my brother Sam, yep, shout out to bro Sam. He was there on the admin team for that as well. Yep, Sam. <laughs> um, and, and we... Um, we got managed to get just over 1,200 educators from around New Zealand and help them through that that process of what was, you know, a lot of us um, like the medical um, entire medical sector being um, legislated out out of our job, um, and. Look, that was incredible. I was, I was lucky enough to make it up. Um, Freedom and Rights Coalition, shout out to them too now. Um, Derek, there somewhere? Yep. Um, lucky enough. To, to make it up um, to Wellington and, you know, present, um, I don't know, it must have been about 15, 20 um, shirts, T-shirts, um, a, a book um, that this lovely woman from um, Timaru 
had sent up to me to deliver back to Jacinda, and it was her storybook. I forget the title of it because I'm not really interested in it. Um, her storybook back to the steps of Parliament, and she'd written a, a message in it. Um, I can't repeat that message, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, look, working with VFF, um, with Alia, Claire, and Libby, you know, jumping on a couple of Zooms, it was just incredibly humbling, you know, to be able to support um, a beautiful sector and one that's pretty darn important when we're thinking about our youth of today, um, these kids scattered amongst us here. Um, we've got a long way to go and we've got a massive job to do to, to turn things around. Um, one of the other things I was really, um, I don't know, it, it just fell into place was I was able to walk into um, uh, the hospital. Um, I got onto national Zooms with the directors, human resource managers, um, owners of early childhood education schools, you name it. Um, director of nursing here at um, Canterbury um, District Health Board. And I was able to, you know, hold and be the support person um, for people who were going through termination like I was. Um, I just doll myself up, you know, look like a lawyer, taking a wee suitcase and they'd, you'd just see their face just dropped and think they were, you know, being faced with um, the real deal. Um, yeah. I walked into a meeting not so long ago um, with a um, tradie outfit on and let, let it all out. Um, you should have seen the look on the face of this particular principal. Surreal. Um, Sorry, just moving along. Um, back when, oh, I'm going, just going back a bit now because I've sort of run away on a few tangents. Um, I was lucky when I went up to Wellington, I was, I was lucky to go with my son and my mum. And um, yeah, it turned out to be, you know, I guess a trip we'll never forget. Um, not because you're, you're walking and marching with thousands and thousands of like, like-minded people, but you know, you know you're part of history and you know, you guys alluded to that um, Wellington, the Wellington, you know, what was shit up there, and I'm just, I'm gutted, I, I'm guessing like a whole lot of us here that we didn't make it up here, uh, make it up there. Um, I'm, I'm now continuing to work um, with the VFF and educators nationally. I've, um, I'm just about to rekindle um, and get started again, um, I guess the next, the next push. Um, we don't know what's coming, um, we don't know what in shape and what time frame it, it's coming, but we know something's coming and we're all preparing for that. So um, I'm getting back with my team, with VFF, and um, we are, yeah, going to rock things a, a little bit, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, cool, thank you. Um, so I just, yeah, before I finish, I just want to thank you all again. You know, there's a lot of people here in the crowd um, that are, are supporting this community and, you know, supporting me and empowering me and empowering other people, like-minded people here um, to speak up, to stand up and, and speak out. So, so thank you. Thank you heaps. Um, lastly, uh, thank you um, to my beautiful wife, Shirley. Um, we've already said uh, tonight, you know, we, we need to think about um, the woman in our lives and um, especially the whole feminist angle and stuff. 
I'm living that uh, every day inside the school and, I, and, I, and I'm seeing what's happening through, you know, United Nations agenda and everything else. And um, don't worry, there's a lot of good teachers like myself that, that know what's going on and, um, yeah, we're going to do everything we can to, to help it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, can I get everybody to stand up, please? Mm. Yeah, come on, team. Thank you. Um, I've I've um, said this one before um, at, at other meetings and things like that, but um, I want you to repeat after me, and then I want you to turn around and and repeat it as well. Um, Ubuntu. Some of you know the story of Ubuntu. I haven't got time to read through it all tonight, but Ubuntu is effective. The meaning by Ubuntu is I am because we are. Okay, so repeat after me. I am because we are. Okay, turn around and say it to the people behind you. <laughs> Not like that. It doesn't work like that. Or beside you, come on, there we go. Okay, take a seat now. That was all, wasn't it? Yeah, have a chat. Um, so I, I sat down and, and did that with my students today, um, period five. You know, they weren't quite getting it because um, they haven't quite got a, a teacher currently who takes such interest um, and care and support for them that, that I do, but I know I'm going to get through to them, okay? Um, I am because we are. Thank you. I think he should be the future Minister of Education, don't you? Yeah. They don't like teachers that actually think, do they? Um, all right, uh, next we have Francine Sutherland. And so um, Francine is well known in our community. Um, she's been a long-term health professional in Rangiora, and she's going to tell us, um, yeah, her story about is it healthy, what's going on? Hi, everybody. My name's actually Francie. Um, into the mic. My name's Francie Sutherland. I am a physiotherapist. I've been a physiotherapist since 1979. And I love my job. Um, I started my own practice in Rangiora when my daughter was just a thought, actually, and she's 28. So <laughs> practice for 29 years. My practice supports my family. It has allowed us to help three children into houses. It is our income. And on the 15th of November last year, I chose not to have the jab, so I was mandated out of work. And it was hard, you know. I used to lie in bed at night and think, should I just have the jab because 
I've got to keep you know, supporting my family. This is our income. How will we survive? Anyway, I've got a great husband. He's been my husband for 42 years. And he said, we will survive. You don't have to do this. And with everything we were reading, there was no way I wanted to do it. So I left, stopped working. I was lucky enough to have a really wonderful office manager and another physio that did choose to have the jab so she was able to keep working. So while the practice wasn't making heaps of money, it was surviving. And then early, well, March this year, my physio that was working for me gave me two weeks' notice and opened up her own practice with all my patients. Oh. So this is hard for people, you know, and I had a conversation with a friend who said, oh, I'm really happy with the decision I made to have the jab. And I said to her, but why did you make that decision? She said, because I wanted to keep seeing my patient, she's a massage therapist, and I wanted to keep paying my rent. And I said, well, what sort of choice did you have? And can you tell me, when in New Zealand did we lose our freedom to choose? <laughs> and she just looked at me and shrugged her shoulders. Um, many things have surprised me. Um, a fellow physio, not the girl that worked for me, came in. I did a lot of contracts with her. And she said, are you busy? And I said, yeah, well, I'm going to be on holiday soon. She said, oh, why? And I said, well, because from the 15th of November, I'm not going to be working because I'm not having the jab. She said, oh, I won't be coming in here then. And I said, why not? She said, because you'll give me COVID. <laughs> and this was a physio. And I thought, I just looked at her and said, I think you need to do some more reading. <laughs> anyway, we have survived. Um, I am currently back at work because I've had COVID. So I've got an exemption for three months. So that's really exciting. I don't know what's going to happen. Joe, you're lucky because your mandate's lifted. My mandate hasn't. And I don't know when Jab Cindy's going to lift it. I don't think she wants to let go that control just yet. But anyway, the other thing I have to tell you, I've got four lovely children, three unjabbed sons, and a GP. <laughs> Which is quite hard. You know, she's my only daughter, and I love her to bits, but she thinks we're down a big black rabbit hole because she's reading what you read, you know, from the royal, really tough. But the other thing I'm just going to finish off with, every morning I wake up and Jock and I say, we are so pleased that we did not take this jab. Yeah. And <laughs> Thank you.
I can tell you she's a very good physio. So do use her services. Yeah. Um, okay. I love it how people are able to talk without a bit of paper. I'm like, how do they do it? I'm like, yeah. um, next we're going to have Philippa Corney. And um, Philippa has, there's been a documentary actually made about Philippa by a Canadian company. Um, I was um, amazed um, to be able to have um, Philippa speak tonight. Um, and for those of you, um, some of you may be aware about we have a, a problem in this world, a huge problem with um, child trafficking and um, human trafficking in general. Um, so Philippa is here tonight. Um, it's, I think it's her first time actually public speaking um, about her story. Um, so you're actually all really, really lucky um, to be here um, to hear her story. Um, so welcome Philippa Corney to the stage. I should just um, say, um, they've just reminded me if there's children in the room who, who you may not want to hear um, the story, um, just just warning you now, okay? Um, and then for those who, this might be quite triggering. Yeah, okay, thank you. But um, I'm um, so happy to welcome Philippa. Hi there, I'll just get organised. Oh, yep, right. <laughs> okay. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Awesome. Ta. Oh, okay. Bit nervous, but anyway, here we go. Um, of course, I need paper. Um, so I'm Philippa. I'm a New Zealand um, satanic ritual abuse survivor. If you haven't heard of um, satanic ritual abuse before, then sit tight because you may feel shock. However, I survived to let you know one thing, and that is that you are all strong enough to hear the truth of it. All you have to remember is to breathe and ask for help and never forget that. This is what I did during my worst times of witnessing this abuse, being abused in the 34-year healing process of it. I literally at times just breathed through the pain and of course, at the time of abuse, I went somewhere else within myself and or dissociated, split off from myself, creatively pretended to be someone that I was expected to be, then shut the abused parts of myself down, which is very common for trauma survivors of any kind. This is post-traumatic stress syndrome. Every soldier and warrior of any trauma does this to survive. One's mind, body and spirit, however, never forgets at cellular level, even though it is buried, compartmentalised within them. Yes, satanic ritual abuse is an ugly, horrible subject, but as a young child, I made a pact within myself to survive, no matter what, to tell on them them being mostly men, friends of my grandfather's, and indoctrinated women accomplices who were abusing myself and other children. To my mind, body and spirit, someone had to survive to voice the outrage I felt as the warrior within me rose up time after time after time. So I have waited and waited for 48 years 
to feel safe enough within myself and externally to stand here today and physically speak about this, even though as a young child I was systematically programmed not to speak. So now, after overcoming many doses of survivor guilt, I am speaking out to honour all the children who have been tortured, who have lost their lives due to this horrific abuse. I do not need to be here. I'm not being paid and I do not want any payment. My 34 years of healing, day in and day out, has cost me a lot of pain, time, energy and money, sometimes within an inch of my life. It has challenged the emotionality of those around me and it too will challenge your holistic foundational beliefs. But I and others can help you through this process. I know healing like the back of my hand. I'm a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, so I know how the mind, body and spirit works at a deep level. We are amazing energetic spiritual beings. Our life force is powerful, more powerful than satanic ritual abuse. It's just that no one or anything before now has challenged or validated this depth or strength within you until now, perhaps. So I'm he not here for me. I don't need you. It is my responsibility to take care of my emotions and it is your responsibility to take care of yours. It's that simple. For me to speak out now is due to knowing myself at depth, coming to a peaceful resolve, and the more recently relevant global disclosures from other survivors, the elite paedophilia networks, and the links to satanic ritual abuse, the pandemic of child trafficking, the corruption within many governments, which is now at last being broadcast through alternative media, have you ever asked yourself in this day and age, with all the resources available, how this type of abuse has been allowed to go on? How has it been so well hidden? How thousands of dollars are spent on unnecessary items, like sculptures for instance, and yet child abuse, gross numbers of child trafficking is going on. I implore you, for those of who, who don't know yet, Research the people with money and power, and you may find all roads lead to one hierarchy, one shadow governmental global elite network who have for years apparently been running the show. I came to know these elite globalists, the politicians, the stars, the musicians, doctors, even teachers. I grew to know who they were connected to, what their businesses were, bioweaponry, the strong ties with New Zealand. I too was trafficked to these elite. So look twice and thrice at anyone in a professional authoritarian capacity. Open your eyes, ears and heart. Follow your gut, your intuition. And I recommend not watch, to not watch mainstream media. You will not find the truth there. Many of you know that already, so it's all good. 
Is it not our responsibility to the children of this world to question things over and over again until this barbaric cycle of violence is broken? Reach out and ask questions. Talk, talk with the survivors. And the most important thing in this country is that satanic ritual abuse is finally talked about, comprehended, acknowledged, and accepted that it has happened here in New Zealand historically and is still happening in the present and has been and is being suppressed and censored. More importantly, how the New Zealand network has been operating, how it has been kept hidden and is linked to the global network of child trafficking. Excuse me. Um, I was indoctrinated into, this, uh, into a New Zealand satanic ritual abuse cult group via my own family, beaten and drugged into submission from two years old, literally brainwashed, silenced by continual threats to my life and my family's, groomed to continue the bloodline, all the while duping them to believe I was one of them. Internally, I was not and finally let them know this when I realised I was spiritually dying inside at about 15, 16 years old. I knew I had to get out. I did not let them win back then, and I did not let them win throughout my healing process, and I will not let them win now. Don't let them win or have power over you. For me, speaking out now is solely to bring awareness. It is not to seek revenge or punishments for anyone. But it's about justice and to speak for the children who are still being tortured physically, sexually, mentally, emotionally and spiritually, and unfortunately sacrificed in rituals. I believe from my experiences that satanic ritual abuse is the underlying component of all types of violence, especially emotionally in this country and globally. To stop this cycle of violence, we need to communicate safely to each other, stop blaming each other for the way we may feel. We all need not be intimidated, discredited, or buy into the fear of satanic ritual abuse. Excuse me, sniffle. Albeit pure evil, for these perpetrators just do not know the meaning of love or how strong the human spirit is. And as I witnessed many times growing up, those who lost themselves completely at spirit level from this learned behavior of being victims themselves. Therefore, when you are done with being appropriately outraged at learning this truth, when you have owned and honoured your feelings, the only way forward, I see, is with love, compassion and forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about condoning this behaviour, but it is about comprehending what drives this beast. It's about accepting the way things have been, so that we may all heal, let go, move forward and transcend into peace and light, whilst banishing this gross negative behaviour forever. 
Yes, this will take time and a lot of hard work, but let's all start now for the children. My life vision is to set up a safe children's home for abused, traumatised or abandoned children, which is in the pipeline through connectingconsciousness.org. So if you would like to help in any way, let me know. If you'd like to watch my interviews I did in 2019 with a Canadian media company called collectiveevolution.com, you may access the links to rumble.com through dowcoaching.com. I'd like to leave you with these inspiring words from Martin Luther King. The unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final say. Thanks so much for showing up, being present and listening. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to chat with me at the end. taking a deep breath um, that was amazingly brave um, and I do hope um, you can share Philippa's story um, with, with other people next we have a potential future mayor of Christchurch Pastor Carl Bromley thanks very much what a great bunch of Patriot heroes we have here tonight. Just give everyone else a clap, everyone here. Oh, I've got a, got a buzzing in my pocket here. Sorry, guys. I usually turn this off, but uh, hang on. Oh, it's um, Clark Gaford. <laughs> he wants uh, 10 tickets in the raffle to uh, meet with Lee Williams. <laughs> no, you can't have it, mate. But it's... Uh, so encouraging to be here and uh, look around and see the real normal. The real normal. And uh, thanks to uh, Kelvin and Hannah and all the team and the, even the guys outside doing security out there. Uh, fantastic team. You guys have uh, been on a big road trip. And it's tiring, exhausting, a lot of sacrifice, been away from your families and friends and things like that. And we really appreciate you guys big time. You're the true Patriot heroes. And all of you out here today are the uh, Patriot heroes, all you watching online and uh, out there in the uh, internet world. And uh, you know what? It's a bit of a thankless task, isn't it? It's a thankless task facing these globalist neo-Marxists. And uh, sometimes uh, it's a thankless task from uh, those who are supposed to be on the same team. Hey, firing shots as well. So we all suffer a lot for uh, freedom, and uh, this is our uh, kind of a kind of a uh, cold war we're facing here. Now, what I've got tonight is uh, talk about a couple of things. Uh, the uh, the brief was basically share your story, and then maybe share something about how to go forward in terms of vision. But I'm going to just uh, introduce myself a little bit here. So my name's Carl Bromley, and um, been married to my lovely wife Mel for 26 years now. I've got three adult uh, children, 
and uh, three lovely grandchildren. Was trained as a uh, registered nurse, graduated in 1990, and um, finished up uh, running the gauntlet really in mental health as a mental health specialist, finished in private practice. And um, also conjointly, um, I'm a Baptist pastor, old school, uh, for about 30 years and pastor we uh, assembly in Christchurch, New Zealand. But I'm a patriot Kiwi, and uh, my desire at heart is to fight this fight as a Kiwi for our nation, to fight for the return of true democracy, sovereignty, and freedom. We've got to stop the bleed and win our nation back. Now, Mel and I have been fighting since about 2018, not domestically, but, you know, for the cause. <laughs> been fighting much longer than that. <clears throat> um, but when we saw the Marxist globalist agenda advancing, their agenda of destructiveness to build back worse, to destroy first and build back worse, we started really getting active. So we started out with speeches and... Uh, marches and uh, Cathedral Square and things like that. And uh, then I got involved in politics a bit. I'm not a politician, never want to be one, not going to be one, but uh, happy to enter their arena and cage fight them. Uh, we don't need more politicians. We're sick to death of politicians. We need real, genuine Kiwis who are willing to stand up, speak up and be authentic. <laughs> so I, uh, I got involved in New Conservatives about a year and... Um, was uh, nominated as a candidate, uh, rejected, still don't know why that was at this point, but that's okay, I don't hold grudges, the door's always open and we need to work together regardless of our background where we come from. So I began a uh, social media platform channel called uh, Is It Just Me NZ and uh, greatly influenced by this band down here, uh, Lee Williams, across the Rubicon and do get your raffle ticket. And uh, so social media is an important thing, this is the media revolution because they have, they have stolen and robbed us of our freedom of speech, our freedom of expression. They have censored and sanctioned us more than most Kiwis really uh, realise. So I started this uh, channel called Is It Just Me NZ, YouTube, BitChute, on Telegram or Facebook if you want to join up, as a way of standing up. The other thing I'm doing to do what I can, just as a basic ordinary guy, is to uh, run for council and mayor in Christchurch this year. Now... A lot of people say to me, well, you're not going to get any, you're not going to win that. I don't care, okay? Uh, Bruce Lee, the famous martial artist who still remembers Bruce Lee from way back, all right? I was reading one of his books, and what Bruce Lee said, he said, when you go into a fight, you don't think about whether you're going to win or lose. You just fight. And so my desire is to just shake some trees and rattle some cages uh, amongst local government, and, the why, and then why I'm doing that is to think nationally for the elections next year but act locally here in Christchurch. Um, I'm committed in terms of the national elections next year to see a genuine, simple, profound model of coalition established, one that actually works, one that eliminates and eradicates the two things that cause division amongst minor parties that we have witnessed tragically in the last election and still to this day. Those two things are, first of all, ego, Everyone wants to be the big kahuna. Everyone wants to be at the uh, steer the helm. Everyone wants to have a coalition under their group. I say baloney to that, folks. It's time to move past that, to be adults, to grow up and realise it's not about us. Anyone individual, it's about all of us 
as Kiwis. It doesn't matter who gets a pat on the back, who gets the accolades, what matters is we get rid of this government and we bring back to democracy, freedom, yeah. and sovereignty. So I'll talk to you a little bit about that in a moment, but uh, as the second part of the brief, I'll just share a bit about our story, our journey uh, on this uh, road to fight for the nation we love. So um, many of us have suffered much, and I know there's a lot of people who have suffered much more than my wife and I, but yes, we have suffered on our journey. Uh, the most painful, painfully excruciating uh, torment for us was the relational loss of two out of three of our kids and all of our grandchildren. Now, there are a lot of people in this nation have suffered in the same way. This oppressive, evil pressure of division and divide has absolutely destroyed so many relationships between children and their parents, loved ones, friends, and I know a lot of you folks out there have experienced that. All of the other um, abuses really dwarf in comparison to the loss of those most precious relationships. My closest sibling, my closest sibling growing up, being there through thick and thin, threw me under the bridge, would you believe, for Ashley Bloomfield. Yeah, because I put a post on Facebook, threw me under the bridge. Really sad, but this is what this psyops, this weaponized, uh, disgusting, vile mechanisms of this government has done to good, loving, decent Kiwis all over our nation. And it's got to stop. The other things we've been through in our journey... Uh, a number of things, just to tell the story a bit, uh, been, uh, we've suffered and continue to suffer the most vilest, disgusting trolling you'd ever imagine. If you want to meet the most vilest people on the face of this earth, just do a YouTube channel or do some social media. Hey, Kelvin, Hannah, yep. They're disgusting, and I love them. I love my enemies. I don't care who they are. I love them. But they're disgusting. They're vile. They're broken people. Uh, being technically assaulted, property trashed, letterbox urinated on, uh, hate mail posted, uh, public property defaced with uh, you know um, little uh, silly childish um, statements about me and things like that. Vehicles stolen, destroyed, and uh, I think one of the saddest things for me is uh, even the experience of some of those people in the freedom movement who are supposed to be on our side, on our team turning and becoming some of the most vilest trolls that I've experienced, actually. And one of those occasions was an um, open death threat published on social media towards me. And then that same unhinged person turning up to my house with an axe, expressly saying this was for me if this deranged, thought-disordered person perceived that I was attacking him. And, of course, the police did nothing. No surprises there. But to cap it off, you might have heard last uh, New Year's Eve, uh, the big whammy, I suppose, uh, was the police raiding our home and coming to our home on New Year's Eve while my wife and I was out trashing the place, breaking in, vandalising our property, stealing my stuff in the form of a firearms and ammunition and leaving my beautiful, gentle, kind wife severely traumatised by the experience. Absolutely disgusting. Nothing is more traumatic, I think, and believe when those that you trust and are supposed to be there for your protection violate you as they did. So, uh, this is politics today in New Zealand. There's, people say we're heading towards a totalitarian government. Well, I've got news for you folks, we've already got one. The rot is there, it's set in deep. So, um, the last part of the speech tonight 
it's about moving forward. What what uh, what am I doing to move forward personally? What are you doing to move forward personally? We can all do something. We come in all shapes and sizes, different skills, different talents. We can all do something to push back and counter uh, this wicked, evil uh, oppression upon us by this totalitarian, tyrannical government. So what I'm doing is little old me, as I said, running for council mayor, putting together a team at the moment for the campaign. So if you've got skills and strength you want to contribute, I'd love to hear from you. Um, the second thing I'm doing is uh, focusing on the national elections. So I'm thinking nationally for the election next year and acting locally. Now, I know a lot of folks think, well, the system's had it, you're wasting your time, blah, blah, blah. Hey, but folks, we need to not shoot our allies, right? We need to appreciate that it takes a lot of different tools and different weapons to slay this beast. So rather throwing stones at each other and different freedom movements and different organisations, rah, 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 quit that, be an adult and celebrate and support each other. So I'm using what's still available in terms of the democratic process. If you go on my YouTube channel, Is It Just Me, NZ, it's easy to remember, you just go, is it just me? NZ, okay? If you go on there, there's a playlist on uh, the political plan or the aspirations to uh, not become a politician, but to get in the arena and fight for our country, get it back. There's a whole playlist on what I call uh, the Independent Coalition Party Bus, okay? Now, this model, I believe, is so simply profound that it will work if the, if the penny drops, okay? And this is, this is why I've been harping on about so long. Now, basically, in a nutshell, the Independent Coalition Party Bus is basically a vehicle to get patriot, sovereign, democratic, freedom-loving individuals into our government. It's just a mechanism to get from one place to another, just like a bus you would get on. All we need to get six patriots into our government is 5% of the vote, which is somewhere between 155,000 and 170,000 votes throughout New Zealand. That's, that's actually not a lot, actually. But it's not going to happen unless we get two, rid of two things that divide. And the first thing is ego. That divides. So the Independent Coalition has facilitative rotational leadership. In other words, no one's really the big kahuna. The leadership is facilitative, so the only role of the leader is to reinforce what we stand for, sovereignty, democracy, and freedom. That's all they do. And then that leadership gets changed about once every month or two months. Everyone can have a turn. I don't even want a turn. I don't care. But it takes, gets rid of the ego stuff about the, the minor parties wanting to have a coalition, but they want to be the one in charge. We've got to get past that. So get rid of the egos through facilitative and uh, rotational leadership. The other thing that divides is policies, thousands of policies. Every time you have a policy, you're asking for division. Folks, desperate times call for desperate measures, and we are in dire straits right now as a country. We need to do something effective. And what's effective is just uniting on three basic policies to get on the bus and to get across the 5% line to government. And those three policies for the independent coalition is sovereignty. And by sovereignty, I mean independence and a self-sufficient New Zealand. An independent, self-sufficient New Zealand. Democracy, what I mean by democracy is that we have elected government representation in both local and central government. Okay? Yes, we're going to use the list system MMP to get there, but yes, I think we need to get rid of it once we're there, folks, because that's not democracy. 
The third policy, freedom, is real simple, folks. Institutionalised and I believe enshrining the New Zealand Bill of Rights. That's simple. If that Bill of Rights was not undermined and usurped, we would not be in this mess we're in as a nation now. It's got to be untouchable. And as they say, the devil's in the detail, so we've got to keep it simple on those things. Now, I'm going to finish up in a minute. The benefits of the independent coalition is this. Under an umbrella party, guess what? All the minor parties or independents who join get to retain their own leadership. They don't have to lose control. They can still manage or micromanage their um, parties if they want to. Uh, they get to keep their own policies. They can still contest the same electoral seats. And together we can amass that party vote. And when you think about it, with independents also joining, if you had independents in every electorate, once they join the party, they can also amass party votes. Okay, Because without being a part of a party, you can't as an independent. So you just imagine all the votes that are starting to accumulate now if we pick up on this. Who gets to be the MPs? If we do get six MPs, well, I'm just a simple guy, folks. Keep it pure democracy. The candidates who won the most votes get the first six slots. Make sense? Keep it simple. So that's a bit about the Independent Party Coalition. If you're interested, talk to me. As I was saying, I'm trying to uh, you know, get together a sharp, skills-based team to... Uh, who have the strengths that I don't have. I only have a couple of strengths that I have. I know what they are, and I know the strengths I don't have. So uh, in conclusion tonight, I just want to read a, uh, a small couple of uh, lines from a historical book about a point in history where an ordinary person was used to save a city. And it says this. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, built great embankments around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. Folks, there's a lot of wisdom in this room and nation tonight amongst the freedom movement, and we need to use that together to, to make a difference, get this country back. It doesn't matter who's remembered for what. It really doesn't matter who gets a pat on the back and the accolades. What counts is we save our nation, our people, from the path of peril that this nation has gone far too into in this, in this journey as a nation. Now I want to ask a question to finish. Do you believe that ordinary people can be used to achieve ordinary outcomes? Do you believe that? That ordinary people can be used to achieve extraordinary outcomes? Yes? yes? Then we're in good company. To launch from the words, finally, of that old battle axe, Winston Churchill, we shall defend our islands. Whatever the cost may be, we shall fight. We will fight them on the internet, on social media. We shall fight them on the streets of protest. We shall fight them in the halls of what's left of democracy. We shall fight them for our families. We shall fight them for our property. 
We shall fight them for our rights and freedom. We shall fight them with truth. We shall fight them with passion. We shall fight for our nation and we shall never surrender. Thank you. Right, he certainly gets my vote. <laughs> um, I might call uh, Dana to the stage <laughs> to, to um, make the, the Lee Williams draw before Lee gets on stage so you know what you're getting into. Yeah. All right, um, here we go. Should we get a drum roll? <laughs> The lucky winner of a coffee and cake date with Lee is Alistair. Alistair? It's number 16. Yeah. yeah. All right, um, and now uh, the man himself, the most vilified man in New Zealand. He has shaken more left-wing dinghies than any tsunami in history. Uh, the man himself, Mr. Lee Williams. Hi there, everybody. <laughs> what can I say about that, eh? What a lucky man that Alistair is. That's all I can say. <laughs> lucky, lucky man. And how can I, how can I beat Carl's speech? Oh, man, God. He's my best mate, by the way, Carl Bromley. A great mate of mine. And he's going to be the next mayor of Christchurch. He's going to turn it inside out from the inside. Carl Bromley. Next prime minister, maybe. My journey. I started my YouTube channel about four years ago. And I was inspired by uh, Tommy Robinson in the UK. And um, I was inspired by the returning British soldiers coming from Afghanistan and Iraq. And I, it made me question all what I'd been watching on the news for so many years, especially the BBC in the UK. And... Um, and I come to the conclusion that we've been lied to for a long, long, long time. It took, it took a long time. I've been in New Zealand for 20 years. And um, when I first came here, I remember <laughs> I was fully on the left. Would you believe that? Fully on the left. I used to love watching the BBC. I used to tell people in New Zealand, watch the BBC. You'll get, that's where you get the news. You'll get the news, the real news on the BBC. Don't bother with CNN and all that. The BBC's where it is. But look at it now, the BBC. Look at all the media. Look what's happening in Russia and the Ukraine now. Do we really believe what's happening in Russia and the Ukraine? I don't. So it makes me wonder what else they've lied about in, I don't know, maybe a hundred years. Do we believe what we've 
in learning. I'm 55 years old. I know I look about 21, 22. I know that bully. But what we've been learning, what we've learned all these years, we may have just been lied to by the media. I don't believe the media's just changed. I really don't believe that. It's, it's well, it's got to be a given. That's all, it's always been... It's always been lying to us or, or being economical of the truth. The omission of the truth is a lie. But anyway, I started my YouTube channel. And I said a few choice things. One or two things I regret. One or two things I'm sorry for. But mostly, 99% of it, I'll stand by. And I'll keep standing by it. And I still, I've got a, I've got a Telegram channel. And my YouTube channel is back up and running now. And I'm making videos, controversial videos, and I'm saying things that most journalists, media, politicians, celebrities won't say because they're too gutless. And we need people. We need people. Like this man over here, Kelvin, and um, Damien Dement, and many others, Carl Bromley, are saying. And I would say, yeah, I'm up there. Damien Dement is probably another couple of notches above me, I'd say. So I've got to give him credit for that. But we, got, we need people like us to try and keep the media honest. The media have destroyed me. They've destroyed me. The government destroyed me as well. Because, I don't know if you know this, but like I made a, a, a satire video a year ago which destroyed my life. They, they called me a white supremacist and whatever. Do I regret making that video? No, I don't really regret making that video. I regret the reaction to that video, but that's out of my hands. Nothing I can do about that. But the reaction was to destroy me and hurt me to send a message out to you and the rest of the country. Keep your mouth shut or we will do to you what we did to Lee Williams. They got me sacked from my job, fired. They got me debanked, would you believe? Westpac Bank told me to empty my bank account by the end of the month. Is that okay? Empty my bank account by the end of the month. And I'm thinking, what on earth was this about? And I work for Sinlay. Sinlay is down Dunsandl, in between Dunsandl and Rakaia. And the gutless, cowardly... I was going to swear then, but I won't. But they, they, they fired me. Nothing. Easy. That, it was that easy. No comeback. And the media did a job on me. Big time. And there was no, no recourse for me. Uh, but that's the world we live in. And the world, well, the last two, two and a half years now since this COVID, COVID crisis, COVID crisis, I, it, honestly, I honestly believe it's all garbage. I've known it was all garbage. Right from the very start. It's, it's, oh, I know there's kids in the room, so I'm not going to swear. It's garbage. Klaus Schwab and George Soros and Bill Gates and Bill, what's his name? Big, uh, Big Pharma, all these people all colluding with governments, these multi billionaire psychopaths ripping the world apart. They're in Davos right now deciding what they're going to do to the world and the, and the mainstream media paid and owned by these very same psychopaths. Or maybe, they're, or maybe they're just misunderstood. But these people, 
These people have so much power that they control everything. And the only reaction we've got is doing what we're doing. And keep speaking. I keep speaking. Okay, it's hurt me. It's done me a lot of damage. I can't even find a job. And it's pretty hard for me not being vaccinated. But I've got, my, my name's Lee Williams. Across the Rubicon. So it's, it's very difficult for me. But that's the way it is. I chose, I chose my path. And I've just got to carry on with it. When the Christchurch Mosque happened, three, three and a half years ago, about a month after, because I'd said things about much like Tommy Robinson said in the UK. And um, I made a video, I think it was two days before that happened in, in, in the mosque. And I made it in the square in Christchurch. And it's just a, just a selfie kind of video. And, and then that happened, uh, the, I think it was a day later. And a month after that, the trolls, like Carl mentioned earlier, they started saying that the, the man who did what he did, Brenton Tarrant, what he did in that mosque, just may have, this is the trolls, this is, this is I won't name them, but we know, look, many people in this room know who I'm talking about. They said on Twitter, social media, that Brenton Tarrant probably watched my videos, which triggered him to do what he did. And I got a visit from the police, and this was about, yeah, about a month, a month after. And my wife was there, my daughter was there, and my youngest daughter, and uh, the police came round. I could see seven because I was in the house. I was actually in bed, it was a Sunday morning. And um, came out about half past nine, something like that. Came in, came, Colleen come into the bedroom, my wife, and oh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? My wife come into the bedroom. <laughs> Lee, Lee, the police are at the door. So I jumps up thinking, what's going on here? They come in and they've all got AR-15s. Now I'm thinking, what's going on here? Lee Williams? I said, yeah. All right, can we have a word? <laughs> You're in my house, you've got big guns. <laughs> so, so they take me into the living room, they take my wife outside, it was summer. Took my wife outside, my daughter into the bedroom, they split us all up. And this, uh, this senior sergeant, I guess, he was like probably a couple of years older than me, probably about 35. And um, he sits me down at a table and he says, we've come here about your, about your videos. I said, no, oh, yeah. He said, what about them? He said, um, he said you know, they're, they're upsetting people and you're talking about, uh, about the government and that. I said, well... Yes, so what? Is, it, is, that, is that a crime? And he said, well, he said, well, you know, the government think, think it is. I said, have you watched my videos? He said, no. <laughs> I said, oh, you, you've come here to my house with all, with all these guns, AR-15s, and you've not watched any of my videos, and you come here to question me about my, my, about my videos. He said, well, you know, I've, I've just been sent here by other people. And then his next question, which was the big question, he said, is it true that you're a Trump supporter? <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, listen, I'm from the UK, mate. I got a New Zealand citizenship, but I can't vote for him. But yes, I do support him. <laughs> but the, he honestly asked me that. Are you a Trump supporter? But anyway. And... and <laughs> 
you know, my, my, my whole community, I was living in Rolleston then, right across the road from New World, I can tell you now, because, I'm, because I don't live there anymore. And, um, yeah, they closed off my street, apparently. I didn't find this out till later. And, um, you, know, at, you know, pointing weapons everywhere. Really scared, scared the bejesus out of my neighbours. My neighbours never said nothing to me. Because they, they thought I was a terrorist living next door, obviously. <laughs> so anyway, um, there he goes. And, and, and his party shot this fella before he left the door, this, this, this policeman. He, I said, listen, mate. I said, you're not going to come again, are you? Because my wife was really upset. And I knew I was going to... I was more scared than my wife after they'd gone. Even though they all had AR-15s. So anyway, she says to me... He says, I, I said, listen, mate, you're not going to come again, are you? And he goes, don't worry, Lee. We've weighed you up. I've weighed you up. We know you're not a danger to the community. He said, he said you're not going to get another visit, he says. So I thought, oh, nice one, cheers. My wife says, promise me you're not going to come again, she says. I said, I can't promise you that. I said, if they come again, they'll come again. But he said they're not going to come again. So, so we'll have to take it as that. Friday. That was on a Sunday. Friday, I was in the shower. My wife comes in. Lay, 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 the police are out of the door, the police are out of the door. And this was even worse. So I comes out and I got a towel around me, <clears throat> looking like Brad Pitt. And um, next thing, the police are in my bedroom, AR-15s again. And Silly Williams, I said, I said, yeah, I'm all, all wet. Uh, Alexander's getting excited now, isn't he? Right? And <laughs> so I said, I said, I said, what's up? I said, you, I asked, you know, you, you, you said you weren't going to come again. He said, well, we've come to see where your head is, he says. I said, it's on my shoulders where, the, where it usually is. And he goes, and he goes, no, they want to know what your thought patterns are. My thought patterns? I said, you're in my bedroom with AR-15s, mate. Can you hear me? You can hear me, can't you? <laughs> and it, and he goes, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know it's, it's okay. We know you're not a threat, but you're in my bedroom with AR-15s. And then I looked down the corridor in the house. We had a quite, quite a big house. We had quite a big house. And, um, and there was about three or four of them all, big, wet, big guns. And then my, my wife at the time, she was expecting a visitor right at the time the police came. And this visitor was like, a, I don't know, somebody, some colleague at work, whatever. And uh, anyway, so... They, they had a brief chat with me. They, I found out later. They go. They said they're not going to come again, and they never came again. So the lady come about half an hour, 45 minutes later. She goes, oh, my God, she says. Turns up at my, at my at house, and she says to my wife, she goes, oh, the police closed off the whole street, she says. What's happened up here? She said there was about 20, 15 to 20 police and they were standing in people's gardens with their guns pointed everywhere. And that's when I learned there was about 15 to 20 cops closed off the whole street to come into my house to ask me where my head was. You know, and that was like, that was like three, three something years ago. And I've been, I've been persecuted big time by, by the government ever since. And um, because they've... they've um, They've shadow banned my videos. They, it just stays around about 16,000 or just less than 16,000. It should be about 60,000 or maybe 600,000 by now, but it's, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. Just the way it is. I do what I do, what I do because I believe there's, there's a need for it. And there's a, we've got, we got people 
like us, in the UK, the UK is full of people like me, people that do it much better than me, like, like Kelvin and, and uh, Damien Demenz, I'll say him again, and, uh, and, and much more. And they're much more um, militant. I wouldn't say aggressive, but they're much more militant, much more organised. And in Canada, you've got them, you've got Rebel News. In Australia, you've got Rebel News. And in New Zealand, we've got these people here who are doing a fantastic job, aren't they? Hey? Fantastic job. And, and, I've, and I've said, I've said in recent videos, New Zealand hasn't got a, a, a decent mainstream media news channel where they're on, where they're on our side. They're talking for us, the non-vaxxed, the lepers, the lepers of society. There's no one speaking for us. I've said that, but we have, haven't we? We've got these people right here. But what we need, what we need them is to become mainstream like Sky News in Australia and GB News in the UK because they have got good alternatives, big alternatives. But all we need now is for these people to grow. And... And then we'll get the truth out. So at least some balance. We're not going to get 50-50 balance, but at least we are going to get some balance and some truth where people can actually watch. How many people actually here have, have lost their jobs over this vaccine? Blimey. And how many people, how many people have broken up with their families? Have, have daughters, husbands, brothers, mums, dads. It's, isn't it terrible? And... and what does Jacinda say? Let's be nice. Let's be kind. You know? And she destroys us. She's destroyed this nation. But at least she's done it with kindness. Hasn't she? She's done it with kindness. What a, what a lovely, lovely dictator she is. And now, and now she's in the United States getting a PhD. A PhD. And, and it was... It was said to me by an unknown source, I'm not going to tell you who it was today, but he said, Lee, don't you think it's a bit of a coincidence that Jacinda's over in the States and they've had these mass shootings? Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm not saying anything, but it makes you wonder, doesn't it? It does make you wonder. She's the queen of the anti-gun lobby, isn't she? She wants to disarm New Zealanders, take all our weapons, and let's face it, she's only, she's only disarming normal gun owners, isn't she? Hey, people who have licenses, it's not them that are causing the problem, is it? You know? How come she, how come she never talks about disarming the gangs? How come she just never does that? She never does, does she? Ne ne never talk about that. You know? But this is, this is where we are, because she's a Marxist, she's a globalist, and this is all about division. If she keeps us divided, we can never, ever unite to pull her and her globalist cronies down. And that is a big problem. But we are growing. Our community is growing. And I tell you what, these people that have had two vaccines, plenty of them, who are not going to get the boosters. There's plenty of them saying it. I'm not going to get the booster. No way. I've had enough. And that's a great thing. Because at some stage, they're going to be considered unvaccinated at some stage, and then they will probably lose their jobs. And this, this hall will be shoulder to shoulder. Then we'll have to get a bigger hall. And that's when we will be a force to be reckoned with. Because we'll have huge numbers up in every city in New Zealand. Because she's lying to us, she's cheated us, and she's taken, I believe, she's taken money from these people to destroy 
this world and everything that we hold dear in this world. These people, these people that are meeting in Davos right now. And they are conspiring still for the next, the next virus. What's going to be the monkey virus? That's what we're talking about, isn't it? The monkey virus sounds like a joke. But it's, I tell you what, I hate to say it, but it might just become serious within a few days or even weeks. And then we got the Marburg virus. Do you know the Marburg virus, should I say? They've got a list. There's already a list there of all these different viruses. And they've all got dates on them when they're going to bring them out. How do, how do they know that? There's something seriously wrong here. And why do, why, why do the media and politicians call people like us conspiracy theorists when we've all seen on our TV screens, and it's not fake, when Klaus Schwab says, uh, in the future, you will have nothing and you will be happy. And when you, when you see that, you can show them it's there right in front of you. And I say, oh, I think you're a conspiracy theorist. And you think, for I was going to swear then, blah, bombs. Honestly, but this is about, and, and, and the other one is psychic. What's his name? This uh, Yuval, I can't say his name, Yuval Noah Harari. Have you seen him? This fella? He's, have a look, if you've not heard of it, Yuval Noah, as in Noah's Ark, Harari. Take a look at this fella. He's about 35. <laughs> I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say it. But anyway, he's 35 and he's, advise, he's an advisor to Klaus Schwab. He's on stage talking to world leaders and he's saying, in, in, in the future, in the future, the, the people are like cattle. They're like cattle. We are going to insert little chips in the arms. And this is going to be a really good thing. Everybody's going to love it forever. <laughs> and, and people clap. Audiences, 10 times, 100 times the size of this, they're clapping. You think, are you insane? Do you know what this bloke is saying to you? He wants to put chips in everybody because he says, we not only want to know where people are, but we want to know what's happening inside their bodies as well. You think, what kind of nightmare world are we moving into? And you know what? People, people, most people don't see it. They don't see an issue with it. It's like these mask-wearing lunatics that they see. <laughs> I walked through the Botanic Gardens just uh, today, as it happens, and, and a few days ago. Walking through the Botanic Gardens in Christchurch on a beautiful sunshiny day not a drop of wind and it's just lovely and you hear the birds and you see the leaves and watch these just watch the ducks and the geese and everything's beautiful and you see these lunatics walking around in masks what the f I was going to swear again I was going to swear again but there's children in the room honestly that these people are mad and they're, and they're driving around in cars by themselves with masks on, you think, honestly. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make light because we've had like, uh, we've had, we've had a, a mixed bag tonight, so it's good, it's good to have a laugh. But honestly, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? But the, these, these, these people that wear these masks, walking around the park, and they're sitting in the cars with masks, by themselves, with a mask on. I walked on Sumner Beach the other day, Sumner Beach, and there's a fella sitting there making 
well, sandcastles or something. And he was a young lad. He's about 25, maybe. And he had a mask on, <laughs> on the beach. And you think to yourself, what on earth? And you just want to say to him, you just want to walk over and say, mate, why are you wearing a mask? Well, you know, it's pointless. It's pointless. But these are the masked zealots. These people, you know who they're going to vote for in the next election. You know who they're going to vote for. The people it was alluded to earlier. People that go to Countdown and they go to, to New World and they go to the shopping malls and you get them people that wear the masks. Them people are a little bit different, I'd say. Because, they're, because they don't want to be challenged and they're sick of being challenged. I walked into Countdown in Ferrymead just the other day and I got challenged by a, a, a little security guard. I hold nothing against him. He's got a job to do and that's it. I walked in. I've got a mask, mate, he says. I said, oh, I've got my phone. I said, exempt, mate, like that. And I walked past. But you know, it really pissed me off. It really annoyed me. And I thought, why? why? And, it, and, it, and it stresses you out. It really does. And I thought, he's doing this to everybody. And that's why people you see in, in malls and countdown. I'd say maybe 30%, they put their masks on because they can't be asked. With being asked and the hassle and the looks they get. You know, you get the hard, the hard doers, like some, some people I know, including myself, who walk in and they'll say nothing and they'll carry on. And, and, and you know, these people will only challenge certain people. Like, I think, I think Kelvin alluded to it earlier. If you look weak, they will, they will pick you, they'll hound you. But if, if, you, if you walk in, keep your shoulders straight, chest out, and, you know, look like you mean business, they won't, they won't bother you. But there is a difference. These people, the mask-wearing lunatics, like I've mentioned, Botanic Gardens, some on the beach, in the cars by themselves, they're, they're lunatics. They're beyond help. They're, they're beyond it. They will always vote for Jacinda because they're mad. So anyway, I... I that lucky man, Alexander, is going to spend an hour with me. And he's, I know he's going to have visions of me with my towel around my waist and all that, and my body all wet. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to end it. And thank you, thank you very much to these beautiful people here. And I hope their, well, their show, Counterspin, goes from strength to strength to strength. <laughs> And I'll just, I'll just finish by saying because we need real journalists in this country because there's not one single journalist at all that I know of and not one single, well, media outlet that will tell the truth. And that is the problem. The media are the problem in New Zealand. Yeah. I'll end with that. Okay, thank you very much. Something just fell off. I just want to um, conclude the night by saying how grateful I am to everybody who's come out here and, and to everybody who does watch this online. You're all so much appreciated. It is the support that um, we receive at Counterspin that enables us to do what we do. And, um, you know, like I said before, the people, this is the people's media for the people by the people. So um, please spread the word that the storm is coming to further towns down south and um, just share Counterspin with everybody you know. Um, I want to 
thank all the speakers. You're so very brave. And I hope that um, your stories do encourage others to stand up and to speak out. Um, so can we give everybody, um, everybody who's spoken tonight a round of applause? And I want to say that um, clearly Counterspin has rattled a few mainstream media um, people. <laughs> should I say lamestream? I think I should say lamestream media. Um, because clearly um, with the, the, you know, we are the people's media revolution um, operating on just donations. We're not funded by some, you know, overseas tycoon or anything like that. It's just utter rubbish. Um, this is, you know, a people's funded media revolution. Um, and, you know, we're doing the job that, that they're not doing. So um, can you please put your hands together now for um, the dream team, Kelvin and Hannah? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh. Well, that's a first. <laughs> Thank you, Cust. You have been an amazing audience. Um, and again, yeah, thank you to all the speakers and thank you to Heidi for putting it all together. And our team, um, a massive um, thanks to them as always. They're doing a phenomenal job. Um, thanks to all of the people who are hosting us. We're staying with the people. Um, we don't have a big budget. We don't stay in hotels, motels. We're in your guys' homes. You guys are hosting us. Um, and as Heidi said, it's by the people, for the people. So, um, we always forget the self-promotion, but yeah, if you would like to and you haven't yet, please feel free to give a donation on your way out the door or um, go to counterspinmedia.com. Uh, that's counterspinmedia.com and um, find the donate button there. I do have to say also please sign up to the newsletter because they are um, shutting us down on many platforms. And, if, and if, yes, download the app, go onto the Google Play Store. We've had a 14-year-old uh, from Christchurch make us uh, an app. So let's give it up for him, Leo. Leo. That's Leo. So, um, as Jacinda said, you know, big tech, it's just a tool. We can use it for good or bad. So, we're turning it and countering it and spinning it back on them. So, um, that's, right. that's what we're doing. I do want to end with um, a couple of points. Um, I do actually want to give a shout out to all of you in Christchurch because back in 2020, Lee and Carl and Kyle and Adam and all of you, you guys were the ones that day in, day out stood every single Saturday. Well done, Christchurch. You guys were just such a, a beacon of hope to the rest of us um, up in Auckland where nobody was hardly doing anything and your guys' commitment to freedom and patriotism and... Um, True democracy and free speech has been just amazing. The other story I'd like to, um, well, oh, there's two more things. One, who here has heard of Graham Phillip? Yes. Okay. So this is a story that uh, we um, 
broke, well, you know, Marta Phillip, his wife, sat down with Counterspin exclusively and told us the story of Graham Phillip. He has been in remand since December the 8th of last year. He's been denied bail twice. He has, um, we, his charges and everything around it has been suppressed. So the question is, why is the government hiding those details and why is it being kept a secret? Now, a bit of a backstory about Graham. Uh, he, he, lives, he was living in Taupo. Um, he, he started getting involved um, last year in the protests in Taupo, and he was um, questioned by the police the first time he did that. The second time he was ha had a run-in with the police when he was trying to go to the supermarket and got stopped at a um, police blockade, and he basically told them, you've got no right to ask me where I'm going in a free country. And in the end, he did just tell them, look, I'm just going to the supermarket, and he kind of complied. The third time, he had been um, going around Taupo with goggles and a snorkel, uh, snorkel and a life jacket on, um, telling everybody that, you know, uh, yeah, I'm wearing a life uh, jacket so that you don't drown. Um, and he did it before JP, by the way. So, um, so he's, he's a very humorous guy. He's, he runs his own IT company. I think he's got two or three degrees. He's a, he's a, um, a father and a grandfather and a husband. Very educated, never been in, in trouble with the law, um, and now he's being denied due process and justice. And um, he was also, for his political views, because obviously he was talking, um, speaking out against the whole COVID narrative and, and telling the truth. He's been vilified in jail. He's put into, he's been put into high security, um, the high security section, okay. um, and he's been put into. A, he was in a cell with um, an attempted murderer. Um, and then, when apparently COVID broke out in the in the jail, he was put into self isolation or isolation uh, for I think it was two weeks uh, with a broken window. And because he wouldn't wear a mask, he was denied access to the outside. And Martha can't go see him except a phone call, of course, five minutes a week. Um, she can't see him because she's not jabbed. So. So um, the good news is that uh, since we um, put that story out and Marta shared her story, uh, he does now have really good, a really good legal team because his first uh, lawyer just couldn't cope and kind of just washed, they just washed their hands of it and then um, he was also denied the ability to represent himself. So fingers crossed he will at least get bail um, soon and he'll be able to be at home and they can go forward with um, their... The, the way that they're going to um, handle the case. But just, yeah, go and um, find the hashtag free Graham Phillip on Facebook. Um, there's also the bank details there if you'd like to make a donation to help with their legal fund. Because if this can happen to Graham, this can happen to any one of us. Um, and, of course, you've heard what's happened to, to Lee and many others, actually, in the freedom movement. Um, in fact, don't you find that funny? The state suspects you of doing something. They act immediately. And then they frustrate you to no end in your long, long march to justice. Yet, if they do something wrong, you never get nothing. You can complain to the police complaints authority who investigate themselves and they say, oh, yeah, we've put some more recommendations. They must have books this high on the recommendations and the retraining they've done. And yet nothing ever happens. You don't get compensated for your loss of time, nothing. Just like they'll put you on remand, they may even give you bail. And then week in and week out, you've got to go marching down like a minion and report in. So what about when you get found innocent? You still get nothing. They've just robbed you of that part of your life. It's like periodic detention. 
and yet nothing. The whole system's stuffed. I would have sworn too, but I'm trying to take Lee's uh, direction. There is kids and all that. Um, oh, but by the way, Lee, got a Trump coin. <laughs> it's a real one. It was a gift, but it's not gold. That pissed me off. It's actually, it's rubbing off actually. It's rubbing okay. off. Anyway, hey, don't, don't, don't drop my Trump coin speech. Well, you're putting it back in the pocket. Anyway. Um, I've got one more question for you, um, and it's a whole other kind of step on from where things are going, but who, know, who here knows about transhumanism? Wait a week. Okay, yeah, we, we still need all those hands to go up next time, but uh, this is where the whole thing's going, right? And um, it's, it's... Rudolf Steiner actually said uh, over 100 years ago that in the future there would come a vaccine that would disconnect us from God. That is what this vaccine is about. And like Lee was saying, the, the um, microchips and Elon Musk talking about helping us by putting the microchips in our bodies to help us with certain disabilities or you know, even with addictions and things like that. That is how they're gonna sell putting the implants into our bodies. And it is all about thought and action and human control. And of course, they're gonna give you all of those afflictions through the jab in order to be able to then chip you to say, we're saving your lives. Yeah. So without getting into too much down that track, I just wanted to leave you with that thought. But, the, the, but ultimately, uh, I like to say that is darkest before dawn. So it may feel really dark now. Um, and there's a reason why New Zealand sees the first light of the day. Um, and if any country in this world can do it, we are, we are a team of five million. So let's make it a team of... <laughs> 60 million sheep in the country and five million think they're human. <laughs> well... <laughs> There's probably, there's probably only four million that are sheep, because I think there must be at least a million people in this country that are awake, that are questioning. You are actually the majority, believe it or not. We've, we've been in all the halls and you're filling them up all the time and there's a lot of people who put their apologies in that they can't come and then they'll watch it uh, online when it's uploaded. We had to stop the um, streaming earlier because the internet sucked. Um, so Jacinda really should be fixing infrastructure instead of fixing the bloody Ukraine. Which is a cesspit, by the way, and I'm glad they're getting bombed the hell out of. Because it needs to happen. Uh, not the people. The people are like us. We've got a shitty regime who's hell-bent on destroying them. And it seems to be... And, and Zelensky, he's what? He's another WEF actor. puppet. He's an actor. He's, and, he, and he's a puppet of, of Anal Schwab. But yeah, so I really believe, you know, they've got the great reset and we've got the great awakening. So New Zealand, we are awakening and let's do it. But like we, like we keep saying, because we have, a, you know, we try to have a few laughs and jokes and that sort of stuff, but what they've got coming is, is a lot worse than what you've been through. You're going to need what you're doing and that's why your community uh, organisations and that is going to be one of the backbones of your survival. The farmers as well. See, a lot of the farmers, no, not a lot of the farmers, the hierarchy of the farmers who decide to organize themselves think that um, they should just be concentrating on what's affecting them. They don't realize it's part of a massive plan and it's to keep us all divided. Now, the farmers have been the backbone of every economic recovery we've ever had. That's why they want to destroy them. 
Food shortages, manufactured. This whole fuel crisis, manufactured. Everything is by design and everything is interconnected. So start getting beside your farmers, start your farmers' markets, trade in if you have to, secure water supplies. If you've got springs on the farm, start bottling it and getting it ready. Because trust me, what's coming down the line, because they've got their foot on the gas, they're not taking it off, is pretty crappy. So we need the alpha males out there to actually start doing your damn job, growing a pair of kahunas and actually start looking after your fucking family. Don't leave me hanging, boys. <laughs> Can't do it on my own. But we're doing it. And um, I have to one more thing before I go. Detective Senior Sergeant Martin Todd from the Hutt Valley CIB. I'm still waiting. How come you can visit these guys if you're not visiting me? I mean, everyone heard that. Well, because you have no fixed abode, Calvin. Well, that's true. But through the uh, Counterspin Media app that you can download on, did you, did you hear on, on, on Google I Play. actually set the location of the bus every time. So all they have to do is zero in on the bus and they'll find me. <laughs> Instead of sending them to my mother's, police to my mother's house and all that, who just tells, she, she, she's worse than me, she swears like a minor, um, sends them on their way. Um, but yeah, so, so they're coming after us with everything. They're coming after, politicians are coming after us, media's, she's they're relentless. The trolls, like Lee and uh, Carl said, are relentless as well. And of course the cops. So I don't think there's much more except the, the military. But they've already failed. I mean, they, they let these people in the front gates. You know, what, what the others fought to keep away. Um, so it's just the police. And I know there's some good cops. There are some good cops out there. About time you took out your hierarchy, put them to the curb and actually do the job you're meant to be doing on looking after these people because these people under, are under attack and they need to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to go out on... Uh the best song in New Zealand, God Defend New Zealand. Thank you. Go for it, buddy. Cheers, guys. Let's go. Find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network, at band.video.